0: You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Championships, 27 SEC titles, 131 first-team All-Americans, 70 postseason appearances, 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama tradition. With Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1: Sit Tide Football, we're going to get a lot of things started. Chris Landry is going to help us recap last week from a scouting perspective. We're going to break down the Alabama guys, uh, talking about the Senior Bowl. We spent a lot of time last week talking about that. Alabama has also added two new coaching staff. Jay Graham has been added to the coaching staff. Uh, he will be the special teams coordinator and also uh, going to be coaching tight end. So Jay Graham uh, there, Alabama, Nick Saban announcing that. Quote, we are pleased to be able to add Jay Graham to our staff. Jay is well-respected across the country for his knowledge of the game and his ability to recruit. Uh, He has experience at numerous schools across the SEC footprint uh, with a proven track record for his ability to teach the game and develop young men both on and off the field and in life. Uh, End quote. That is Nick Saban. Uh, Jay Graham owns 15 years of coaching experience. We're going to talk about that. Uh, We're going to break that down from a lot of different angles. Uh, Nick Saban has also added to the the off-the-field role. Uh, Todd Watson is going to be a special assistant uh, to the head coach. And if you remember, uh, Butch Jones had this position here at Alabama. So Todd Watson is going to be the guy. We're going to break that down. A lot of senior bowl, a lot of NFL draft, a lot of things happening here in Tuscaloosa. Alabama is also on the eve of National Signing Day. And a lot of projections right now that Alabama will sign, according to the rankings, the number one class in college football history. When you talk about this recruiting class and all the different five stars uh, signing it it's just it's crazy when you look at the, the length and how Nick Saban is able to keep everything together. Uh, back in May, we were talking about Nick Saban in the 50s. Now he's going to finish with the number one class, and we'll welcome in Chris Landry. LandryFootball.com, who covers college football, Chris. I hope you've had a great Tuesday. Welcome into Alabama tradition.
2: I have. Good to be back with you again. And uh, don't you find it is anticlimactic? I mean, we've got signing day tomorrow, and it's just—it's all pretty much done. And I mean, it's um, the the work has been done in December, and they're not even there's very little news going to happen tomorrow anyway, uh, 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 you know, all around the country. Um, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it. um, Because I think if we have a signing day, it should be like in July or August, make it an early signing day. And I think signing day should be like more end of February, but yeah, it's, it's basically, it's going to be a celebration of, you know, what's already been accomplished, but it's, Gonna be interesting to see. Uh I'm about to say it's interesting to see, but we already know how it's gonna turn out, I guess, is what I'm getting at. I don't know how you feel about it.
1: Well, Chris, let me let me back up a couple of minutes. When you look at coaches, uh, because of the early signing period that it's kind of become the main signing period. And then when you back up and you take a look at uh what this late signing period is just kind of the uh, the leftover guys, and I say leftovers, not disrespectful, but it's not as, the, you know, the proportions is not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. What are the head coaches saying about now? Because we're about three years, I guess, in this early signing period. Even Nick Saban took a year to kind of adjust. But uh, what are you hearing out there in the coaching fraternity about this early signing period? Do they like it? Do they uh, enjoy it? Or is it too much pressure? What, what's What's the word out there?
2: They like it more than I do, so okay. I mean it doesn't really matter what I think. They think it helps them get their class out of the way sooner because, again, majority of the class is in, uh, and it allows them to get started on the 2022 class sooner, and it allows you to see kind of where you are with who you've got left and kind of – so let, let's say you are one of those schools that have – a few guys left and you can, you can, you you make the move, you know, you've got limited guys that limited spots and limited guys left. So you can kind of hone in on the, the one or two or three guys. Now, in some instances, it's, it's different. um, They've got a lot more, you know, lack of stability and a lot more issues there. And uh, it's, it's, to me it has an effect. Look, my feeling is, is the calendar of college football is off, meaning, you know, we have – if you have a coaching change, you for pretty much write off a class. I mean, it's not going to be – there's not a whole lot you can do. I mean, it's just pretty much done. I mean, you just – you pretty much say you're not going to have much of a class and you're scrambling, and then you got to – your first real class is the next year. Um, you know, I, I, I think, again – having an early signing day and with the stipulation that if a school changes their coach, that kid that signs in, in July or August, you know, they can, they can have a redo. I mean, they, they can go back and that's null and void if the coach is not there, but it gives more opportunities for these coaching staffs to get put in place. And you can maybe recover uh, and recoup a class and get it gone. But uh, for the most part, they like it. Um, I, I don't. I, I here's what I think. I think the sport of college football misses the excitement of signing day because right now it's thrown in right prior to Christmas, so people don't pay attention to it. It's right in the middle of the bowl season, and people are more concerned about how their team's going to do in a bowl game, or particularly if they're in the playoffs. And then you have it; it's done. You know, we talk about it, you talk about it, I talk about it, but the masses don't get into it. I just think that could you imagine if you had it end of February and it was, you know, a lot of big names and a culmination of that, that that would be huge in terms of being able to to make the news cycle of college football bigger. The other thing that's changed it is you're gonna have guys that even the ones that haven't signed, you're gonna have schools that wanna keep a few slots open for college free agents, which is the transfer portal. So the whole game has changed quite a bit uh, different than it used to be
1: well and, and you meant the conversation right there you talked about the um it would it would help with a news cycle nfl i think does a good job of making that news cycle stretch out and stay at the spotlight maybe that's uh, uh mm-hmm. one of the reasons that i mean they master it uh of keeping absolutely and and so maybe when you look at college football it kind of overlapped. Um, but then I wonder if it was not purposely done because you know a lot of the basketball people get jealous of football. They, they, there's a there's a division there, even though that you know it, sure. it's it's not a it, it's not a bitterness or hatred. It's just they want basketball attention to be basketball season. So you almost wonder if maybe the NCA tried to do that to maybe uh, eliminate some of the attention that football was getting on National Signing Day and move it to early signing period. And I also think it was done uh, for parity as well.
2: I, I I think the coaches like it because it they get to put the large part of recruiting done pro before Christmas. That that's what I keep hearing. We like it. We get to put that to bed, and okay, I mean you know that's 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 fine. Um, so I mean, look, I I don't think it's the the ideal situation. Look, I mean on on the basketball part, I'm with you. I, I don't. I don't know why we don't push college ba- college basketball should start college basketball should be a second semester sport it should be in January you start it in January and then I know it's March madness but why not have it April Madness? Why not finish in the 1st of May? And then, you know, basically everything back. I mean, ridiculous being playing games in November and December. You know, you're going to lose ground, and no one's really that interested. I think December in college football should be more about – I'm a believer that we should have bowl games, and then we pick the four playoff teams after the bowl games. So I think December should be – All college football, all the time. It should be exciting. And then college basketball should start in January. And for those that really like it, in the southeast is where they like it, I I admit I keep an eye on it. I don't watch it. But college baseball, you know, start that later into where instead of finishing it in June, finish it in July, early August. Think how much more popular College baseball could grab the national spotlight when there is nothing going on in the in the middle of the summer. Can you imagine if in July, the dog days of July, when people are trying to figure out what to watch, and you know, if you had the uh, baseball regionals and the World Series, I, you know, I think that would, to me, that's how I would do the cycle of the three major sports, but nobody's asked me, so I'll shut up.
1: <laughs> well, no, but, I, but I, I do think it's a it's a great conversation. We're, we're also going to take phone calls here. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, LandryFootball.com. So we're talking about the eve of National Signing Day. Uh, Nick Saban, again, getting the job done with a number one recruiting class or summer saying uh, that this may be the best ever college class uh, that they've ever signed. So we'll see if that uh, – develops, and there's a couple of guys that right now on the prospect. Of. When you look at position from high school to college, in your opinion, is there a group that it's harder transition from the high school ranks to the college ranks? I mean, we have used to say quarterback, but these high school coaches are doing such a great job uh, with coaches and all the quarterback camps. These guys are able to make easier transitions. But is there a position group that you see of having a hard time transitioning to uh, the college side of things or maybe just a little bit more difficult than some of the other
2: I, I think offensive lines very difficult i think um you know certainly being in the the signal caller position the safeties the inside backers offensive linemen um you you're right quarterbacks have become easier to get on the field athletically i still think it's difficult it's still a lot to adjust to but those those are the more difficult positions to be able to learn and adjust to get on the field now there are always exceptions there are always guys that are just extraordinarily you know prepared and ready to go and play i i still think that if you've got a true freshman that's playing early that's either really really rare but it usually is combined with you just don't have a guy that's quite good enough to lead. So, I mean, remember, like, for example, most recently, probably the guy that did the best job recently was Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, Tua didn't really earn that spot to the end of the – well, to the championship game. But remember, Kelly Bryant was a starter and, you know, not much there. And then, you know, I remember being there in the spring, and, you know, I was aware of Trevor, but they told me, wait till you see this kid – is, I mean, he's got the whole team wrapped around his finger. I mean, they just follow him like a you know, baby duck's following a mama duck. He was an alpha dog leader as a true freshman, early enrollee. That was Trevor Lawrence. In middle of the – halfway through that season, he took over as a true freshman. That happens more than it used to. It's still pretty rare, though. I mean, I, I do. I think it's it's really rare that, I, that you hand it over there. And when you do, it's, again, because you have a little bit of a void. In other words, it really shouldn't happen if you think about it. You should have some experience. You should have a Mac Jones type of a guy, at least, that has some experience in the system that you can turn to. But sometimes the best option is this really talented guy that comes in and takes over, and we've seen it more and more now.
1: I want to talk about some coaches. I want to work to the senior bowl, and we're going to spend an entire segment on the senior bowl because you were there uh, trying to pick up some buzz, exactly what you were picking up there. Uh, But we'll start with the recent news. Uh, Alabama has released a statement. This has been out there for several days. But Jay Graham uh, will be added to the Alabama coaching staff. He will be special teams coordinator, and he will also coach tight ends. What can you tell us about Jay?
2: Jay's a great recruiter. Um, Tight end coach and your running back coach. Must be great recruiters. Um, it is the on the critical factor list that ranks ahead of on-field coaching at those positions. I mean, you just you have to have killer recruiters. If they're not killing it on the road, there, you're in trouble. And that's what Jay is. Um, that's what Robert Gillespie is. I'm not saying they're not good coaches on the field. I'm just saying that their their best quality is that. Um I, I think, you know, really, really great hire for that reason and has got experience and certainly yeah. experienced coaching and, and playing that position. But but remember too, you're not going to be, you know, coordinating the running game, but but certainly someone that if not saying that's the case here, but if your guy is not a great on the field teacher, um at that position, you can cover that up, but you but you've got to be a great recruiter. And that's what they got in Jay. And um I think and and Gillespie too at the running back coach.
1: Well and 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 Nick Saban I guess has now finalized the offensive side of the football. Let me go to the defensive side because there's been a lot of buzz about Carl Scott possibly being one of the leading candidates uh, to join Mike Loxley up in Maryland. Uh, That is a big time recruiter that has helped Alabama get some great Mm -hmm. guys. Uh, when you look at Carl Scott, uh, they've already lost uh, some some other elite recruiters. Uh, it would hurt if Alabama loses Carl Scott.
2: There's no question about it. Um, I have kind of heard and sensed from there that they expect um, and are expecting the possibility of a couple of defensive changes on the staff, meaning Maybe some people moving out, or them kind of shifting out and shifting some people in. And this is in um, Alabama
1: that you're talking about.
2: Yes, correct. So I think I think that we will. Um, uh, that's, that's just stand by and see if that works out. If he gets that job, and some of the other things that I think are in play to add to the defensive staff. Um, so I, I don't think they're. I don't think they're complete on the defensive side because I think there'll be some movement potentially. Oh, wow. What a that, tease, Chris. Yeah.
1: What a yeah. tease yeah. Yeah. here. Okay. Yeah, no,
2: I think I think there's some things that are still going to happen. I don't know that it's going to be major, but I think it depends upon maybe somebody uh, maybe getting a job here or there um, and then adding, uh, a, a, you know, some sweeteners to the staff, maybe adding some experience to the staff. Uh, and it may just end up being more in an analyst role, but there's still a possibility that it could happen. Um, even an outside possibility outside possibility that the coordinator position might be uh, – I- at least there's a plan if they decide to make a move there. And that move will only be if the current defense coordinator, who I think is a little bit better than maybe a lot of Alabama fans think – Uh, ends up with another opportunity. All those things are in play on the defensive side. We're just going to have to let it play out. That's Chris Landry,
1: LandryFootball.com. Chris, I want to come back and spend an entire segment talking about the Senior Bowl, Uh, maybe some observations, some buzz. We'll talk about Mac Jones getting a lot of attention down in Mobile. That is LandryFootball.com is the website. It's podcast. It's uh, the TV side uh, of the channels and the YouTube and everything he connects. We'll talk about that but it's LandryFootball.com. We will take phone calls if you want to jump in at 205-342-9904, 205-342-9904. Chris has been a scout. He's been a coach. He's been an administrator and uh, has, has worked with the likes of Nick Saban and Bill Belichick and can help us answer some questions as we continue. I know I've got a lot of questions around the Senior Bowl. This is Alabama Tradition the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um. Big Mike Steakhouse in downtown Moundville, Wednesday through Saturday from 4 until 10. Great appetizers like the crab cakes, the wickle fried pickles, the homemade fried mushrooms, the wagon cheese fries. You'll find great salads like the wildcat shrimp salad, the chicken cop salad. But listen, they are known for the great steaks and they do dominate that. Whether it is the ribeye, the highway 69 strip, the filet available there, you add the good stuff, right? Steak smothered topped with that caramelized onion and sauteed mushrooms add more about seafood the big mike's entrees like the teriyaki chicken and so much more our friends at big mike's awarded as one of the great steaks in the wonderful state of alabama big mike's in downtown moundville and throughout the great state of alabama big mike steakhouse Peace.
0: You are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count Sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Every gambler knows that the secret.
1: All right so we welcome you right back into Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future, of the Alabama Crimson Tide, Chris landry LandryFootball.com. And Chris, why don't we stop right here and we'll talk about the website and a lot of people are tuned in and uh, want more information. Tell us more about LandryFootball.com.
2: LandryFootball.com is a website, a football website, that covers all aspects of football, from recruiting um, to evaluating college personnel, college coaching, the teams, the players, the coaches, the schemes at the college level. We do the same thing on the NFL level, the draft, free agency, NFL, one-stop shopping football. If you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. Uh, We provide a lot of podcasts, shows like this that we're involved in. Uh, The Twitch TV channel, uh, you can catch our shows on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch TV live as we're doing the podcast. Um, And then, you know, obviously all the the coaching search stuff to the – uh, to the insights of what's going on in the, the league, um, college football, the notebooks every day. Uh, as I said, we keep you up to date on the inside of things. The way, the best way to describe it is, you know, having been around the league, it's it's like when running a team, you know, uh, you, you with an owner that asked you about what's going on and why you're doing this or that, that's kind of what we try to do to the subscribers. It's like, you're being the owner and you having an access to your own coaching and scouting department. That's what we do. It's less than $10 a month. It's actually cheaper than that if you take advantage of the year membership. And you can learn a lot of things that we think takes you inside the game that's a little bit different than what other people bring for you. So LandryFootball.com is where you want to go take advantage of that scouting season sale. As We like to call it the scouting season now that we've just got one game left being the Super Bowl.
1: So, Chris, let's go back to the senior bowl. Um, I mean, I know it's a quarterback, and quarterbacks get all the love, uh, a lot of the love. Uh, It seemed like just coming out of that week, it seemed like Mac Jones uh, maybe even gained some attention. I know we talked about it last Tuesday and even on Wednesday uh, with our segment uh, that airs every Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Mac Jones seemed to really gain a lot of attention down in Mobile.
2: Yeah, he was the best quarterback at the senior bowl, and wasn't even close. He didn't get to play in the game, which was to the benefit of a guy like Kellen Mond, because it gave him a chance to do some things. I'm not huge on Kellen, but I thought he helped himself. And there's some teams that like him, so good for him on that. But but Mac was the kind of the star of the show. He was outstanding in practice. He wanted to play, dressed out. They weren't going to play him. They weren't, you know, because in practice you can kind of control things better than you can even in a in a game situation like this so they didn't want to risk his injury but did a really good job um thought it was he was outstanding in the red zone uh, accurate everything that you see looks so and the only thing with mac is you know we're not talking the biggest and he's certainly not a guy that outside the pocket's gonna do a whole lot and you know, the one thing that he does have at Alabama, had at Alabama, is that is pretty much a clean pocket. You give him a clean pocket, this guy can really deal. He's got a little bit of Joe Burrow in him. He's got a little bit of Kurt Warner in him, quite frankly. But, you know, off-platform throws in today's movement game, that's not going to be his strength. And if they go to a bad team and they don't protect very well, he'll struggle some, like most quarterbacks do, pocket guys do. But I think this guy could – could play and, and and be really successful in this league. Um, I know this is what people want, so I'll just answer it and just say, I I don't know where – you can call me here. Where is he going to get drafted? With? Don't know. Okay, but I will say this. Um, it, you know, there'll be some good quarterbacks. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence going high. Zach Wilson will go high. Um, Justin Fields will go pretty high. I, I do know this. I don't know that this is the pick I would make if I were them, but the Carolina the Panthers are picking at eight. That would be the earliest Mac Jones could possibly go. I don't see him going that early, but Carolina was there all week. You can't be around Mac Jones and not fall in love with this guy. He's like the most polite. If you want to draw a picture perfect guy that you want leading your organization, just the most humble, down to earth, you know peach of a guy that's Mac and so all the things in the classroom setting and everything I think those were he was big hit so we'll see Carolina had a firsthand look they need a quarterback and that would be the highest I could see him going at eight and I don't I'm not saying Lander's not saying he's going at eight to Carolina I'm just saying I think that's the highest but I think he'll go in the first round even with a high second round grade on some people's boards that's still going to put him somewhere in the mid to late first round.
1: And this is kind of a follow-up to what we talked about last week. Uh, There seems to be a lot of talk around Devontae Smith's weight. Um, At what point would you be concerned? Like, let's say that you saw Devontae Smith weigh in at pro day, and I don't know, he's 165, 170. At what point is there a cutoff at the bottom end that you really become concerned as an NFL scout?
2: Well, I'll go the other way. Okay. I mean if he if he lines up and he's 188, I'm thinking, well, good lord, what's the name of the donut shop you've been you know sure. hitting over that? Because I mean that's that look, he's as I mentioned last week, he's not going to get just that much bigger. You you are you have to like him or not based upon what he is. Yes, as his body continues to grow, he can get a little bit bigger, develop a little bit more. But you have to look at him as a, in terms of a body build style, a lot like Marvin Harrison, who was very thin in his own right. Um, like I, I, I uh, at the combine, and I, you know, weighed Marvin at Syracuse coming out, and it was, you know, was one hundred sixty eight, one hundred seventy two pounds, so he was in that that range. That's Devonte, you know, in a, a few more pounds here or there put on naturally positively without losing any speed or quickness that'll come it doesn't have to come right now I think from a perception standpoint it's it's going to be talked about um look he'll go high I don't know how high I can't assure people that he's going to go and play with Tua at at the third pick I really don't know. I think there's some people are going to say I'm not taking a receiver that high, particularly a smaller receiver. I got I need a quarterback. I need a tackle. I need you know there'll be other guys with similar grades, and people may do something different. But yet, I still don't expect this guy to be around very long. I still think he'll go relatively high, and I think he'll be an outstanding player. Um, and I, and I think some of the comps that I have for him are valid and i think you'll be a really good player no doubt about it but it's a different game and remember that when you're evaluating a player it's not the production that the player has at the college level it's how the skill set translates from the college to the pro game that's is what is all about and the production level uh, is, is affected somewhat by the skill set and the athletic traits but but it doesn't always translate. I think Devontae will be successful in the league. I think he's going to be a better slot, but he has position versatility to play on the outside. I think he's um, he's a Z or a slot, and I think that's what he'll be, and I think it'll be very difficult to, um, to defend. Look, um, you're going to be watching a game Sunday. I'm assuming everybody's going to be watching it Sunday. Uh, he, you know, he, he, you don't have big guys, Tyree kill and Sammy Watkins and McCall Hardeman are not big guys. Now those guys are speed merchants that are at a different level speed wise than Devonte. Devonte's going to be fine. You know, he's going to go high and he's going to be very productive. I, I just can't tell you exactly where he's going yet. Cause I don't know.
1: When you look at Alex Leatherwood, what do you see at his next position, uh, I think there was some some buzz coming out of there. Maybe he struggled in some areas, but excelled in others. Uh, where do you see Alex Leatherwood stop at the next level? Where do you think you end up at?
2: Well, I mean, I think you know he's to me he looks like a Pittsburgh Steeler offensive line. And, and I'm not saying that's who they're going to take it. By the way, they are at 24, and that's not a bad spot for him. But I'm I don't I'm not saying it for that. But he's a really good fit for him. He's, um, he's in the, the mold of a Villanueva guy that they've had that they're going to lose him. He's a physical guy that comes off the ball, power blocker. That's his strength. Um, I think he's a better right tackle fit but can play left tackle. Very important because with seven offensive linemen that you dress each and every week, you got to have the ability to say, oh, okay, right side, go to the left side. Not easy to do, and it's the toughest at the tackle position because you're facing different, you know, different type of alignments. But I don't think people realize how difficult it is to line up at a left-handed stance or a right-handed stance. Very, very difficult to do. But I think he's capable of doing it, and I think can be very effective. And that's kind of how I see him. And I think he's a um, I mean, I think he's a first round guy and I think he's probably a later first round guy.
1: Najee Harris goes down to the senior bowl and against his agent's advice, uh decides to work out. What does that tell an NFL team?
2: Well, it just it just um it tells you kind of their mindset there. I'm here to work, I'm here to meet with you, I'm here to do as much as I physically can do to kind of prove to you what I am. Um that's what it's all about it's it's a byproduct of where he's come from it's a byproduct of how humble he is too um that's exactly what you want to see in the in the day and age of i'm going to sit out i'm going to do this he's been taught the right way that you go out there and you look people in the eye and you man up and you you know you're not going to do anything stupid like play with an injury that could hurt you but I'm gonna come in, and you know everybody knows that. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to dress. Up. I want you to see what I look like in uniform. I want to be there and answer any questions. And everything that I can do, I'm gonna want to do it for you to answer any questions that you have, sir. That's kind of how they are. You as a as a coach and a scout, you, you you can't ask for anything more than that. You really can't. That's 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 class personified. That's that's what you want. That's what you're looking for.
1: When you look at Najee Harris, I mean, wow. Uh, g- Go into Najee, I know there was a big debate. I'll tell you what, why don't we answer this on the other side because I need to get to break. Come back because Najee considered coming out last year. I want to ask you how much uh, did, did he gain from stock value of where it would be this time last year and where it is uh, coming off of a record-setting year here in Tuscaloosa. That's Chris Landry. I'm Ryan Fowler. This is Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Everybody on. Alabama Credit Union. It's alabamacu.com. Skip the line. Use the online banking and mobile app, whether it's deposits, check, check and account balances, transfer the funds, manage transaction, pay the bills, locate the branches and the ATMs. It's alabamacu.com. The app is Incredible. I use it all the time as we count down the start of college football here in Tuscaloosa, always sponsored by Alabama Credit Union. Alabamacu.com. Uh, it's also,
0: You're having a no fun. Have some fun, man. Talking Alabama Crimson Tide football on Alabama tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Saturday,
2: a regular crowd shuffles in, there's
0: an old man sitting next to me, making love to his tonic and gin.
1: All right, so we continue with Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. If you want to jump in, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, we do have one question that uh, we're going to go off the air uh, that I'm going to pass on to Chris Landry. Uh, if you want to do that, you can tweet at us. We'll answer those questions. We'll get them worked into the conversation. That's Chris Landry. I'm Ryan Fallow. This is Alabama Tradition. Going back to Najee Harris, this time last year there was a big debate. Uh, does he come out? Does he come back? How much can he gain? Uh, evaluate that now in a, in a past tense uh, look. That uh, Did Najee Harris
2: make the right decision? <laughs> Oh, I certainly did. Um, I had a, a conversation with with one of your um, you know your contacts in the media that called me. In um, fact, you arranged it. Oh, gosh, several weeks ago during the football season at some point about Najee, and, and we talked about how I liked him, and, and but just from that time on, how much better he's gotten. I think he's helped himself a great deal. I I think being able to do it on a consistent basis to be, in my opinion, is is, as valuable as anybody on that offense. With a great offensive line, a great quarterback, great receiver, um, you know, you put Najee in that category is is as valuable as any of them. Uh, For a guy that big, that powerful, To be that explosive is very, very rare, and uh, I I think he's got an unbelievable future. I think he's shown an ability um, to be able to catch the ball. I think, you know, he can do things out of the backfield that maybe um, people did not think he was ideally fit for. Uh, I I think he's really good. You know, he's tall, athletic frame, smooth, fluid runner, uh, no question that he's got um, is to me. I think he showed in a, in, a, in a different level of explosiveness than people didn't think he had. Look, I mean, he's not going to be a guy that that runs like a two hundred pound guy. <clears throat> it's a different different body frame, excuse me. But uh, this guy is just plenty plenty explosive. I think a feature back, and I think he's the best back in the draft. I think he's better than Travis Etienne. Some people in the league will like the the versatility of of Travis Etienne, and I get that if you're looking for that type of back but if you're looking at a feature back this guy's this guy's it I absolutely would consider taking him and I I think he could also end up in the first round.
1: We also don't hear a lot of things about Patrick Sertain um, at least from you know I mean defensive play you know it's all about the offense now right I mean it's it's the offensive world that we live in. Uh, but Patrick Sertain, obviously one of the top corners, if not the top corner. Where do you see Patrick Sertain in the NFL draft coming out of uh, some of the activities?
2: You know, um, you, you may not hear him. Mean, you're going to hear him. I think you're going to hear him earlier on draft day than than maybe a lot of the guys. I think of the guys we talked about, other than Devontae, um, you know, uh, and, and maybe Jalen. We kind of forget a little bit, about Jalen, we can't forget him. I think of outside of those two, I think Patrick gonna go highest. I think he's the top 10, top 12 pick. I think he's you know he didn't get a lot of talk this year because people didn't throw um, in his direction, but what a what a tremendously gifted um, cover guy that's got the versatility to play off to play press. He's so smart. Um, he has the ability to be able to stay on top of routes So effectively, I, I think he's one of the better players in this draft. And, um, I, I think his ability to tackle well, I think his ability to play the ball, stay in phase. Um, I think he's outstanding. I think he's one of the top, you know, dozen or so players in this league. No question about it.
1: We had a uh, question coming from the Twitter side of things. Uh, Freddie Roach in year number one as defensive line coach, um, uh, It's the first time coaching that position. Uh, Got a lot of production out of the defensive line coach. A lot of people think that uh, Freddie's an up and coming star, recruiting side of things. Uh, Even when he was playing here, he got a great personality. Uh, You could see how he could win the living rooms. Evaluate what Freddie did at the off, excuse me, defensive line side of things.
2: Well, I think. Done a really good job. I think the defensive line played well. I kind of had a feeling they play well this year because they, so many of those young guys played the year before. So virtue of experience and reps, I thought they did a really good job. You know, one of the things that is a little bit lost is that everybody equates great defensive line play to what great pass rushers, bunch of sacks and all that. But you got to remember how Alabama builds their defensive front and what they require their defensive line, their defensive line. They build a wall and certainly they want to get good edge pressure, but it is about sound gap control, defending the run and you've got to be able to do both very effectively. So use of hands playing with good leverage is so really important and they eschew the big play sack for pressure. What they want to do is clap the po- collapse the pocket, negatively affect the quarterback. That often doesn't manifest itself in sacks or even sometimes pressures. But when you can get some pressures and you can get what is we consider negative impact on the quarterback. That's what's successful, and it, does, it doesn't It does get resonated in the stat chart. Now, when you're breaking down film, it does because you see what they're doing and how they're playing. So a lot of times what you see in teams that are really high sack teams, that's great. It makes highlight plays, but they often get out of position when they don't get home on the sack. And I think what you see in Knicks defense, it's always been about sound gap control, getting good players pressure collapsing the pocket and then and again finishing with the quarterback but making sure that you're not out of position and I, I think we saw that and and i think that they were able to teach that pretty well and i do think he's a really bright young coach and learning from one of the best on how to play in the symbol at a defensive front
1: all right another question coming from the twitter side of things uh chris have, have you ever scouted a player coming out of high school that you thought was ready to play at the next level or that maybe not could be, you know, being a starter, but if, if I'm understanding the question, uh, the guy that was maybe NFL ready coming out of high school, is is that you ever have that before at all?
2: Not many, but and none of them, it, it, it's, there've been a few athletically that look like they could do it, but emotionally and mentally, you know, being able to deal with the emotional maturity of playing against big boys and the physical part of doing it for 16 games. It, it it just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. But Adrian Peterson was one of them. He was one of them that just was a little different. And, and he, I'm not saying he could have done it, but he was probably the most capable of doing it. Um, people will say, a lot of people will tell me, Herschel. Not really. When Herschel came out of – Herschel Walker came out of Wrightsville, Georgia. I mean, he was – a he's, he's maybe as good a college football player as I've ever seen, um, and he played as a true freshman. But still, that jump from – because that single-A ball he played in Georgia, that that he couldn't have done it. He could have done it. D.J. Williams, who was a linebacker, played at Miami, also came ironically out of the state of Texas, was a really good player that was physically – advance to the point where you'd say hmm this guy might be able to do something that you know early on that would be reminiscent of of the of the pro game, but like any of them they all have to learn and kind of develop and develop their physical skills to go along with their mental and emotional skills but those are those are two that come to mind no question
1: so so is when you look at scouting uh would you say that either one of those guys are the best guys you ever scouted and, and you look at uh, – I don't know if you ever want to say don't miss talent, but it is, when you look at those two guys, I mean, is that some of the guys that you evaluate and say, hey, those are cannot miss. I am 100% certain these guys are going to be stars at the next level.
2: Well, those were those are a couple, but been there's a lot of guys that would fit into that category. Okay. they coming out of high school that I'd say, boy, these, these guys are tough. And Marcus Dupree was ridiculous. Marcus, you know, um, you know, had a uh, kind of a tumultuous background and, you know, you know, from Philadelphia, Mississippi and kind of went to Oklahoma, but got pulled back to Southern Miss and had, you know, so there are a lot of guys that just never quite make it that were um, that just have some issues. But uh, those were certainly two of them. But there's there's a lot of them through the years that you say, boy, these these guys are unique. These guys are are unusually good and can do things that are just not normal, relatively speaking. So um, there've been a bunch of those guys that that have come down the pike, and, so, and most of them make it. But the ones that don't, it's usually because of something off the field, and it's not necessarily bad. It's just they maybe don't want it as much. They they like they like the game but they like it because they're good at it. They don't have the passion for it, so their their ceiling is a little bit lower. They never become great. I'll give you one that I thought was great. I mean, great coming out of high school, came out of Washington, D.C. I was still coaching at LSU at the time, right before I went into the NFL. It was a unbelievably gifted offensive lineman that had unbelievable feet, and you can see the normal body mass that would be really good and, you know, yet needed more physical development. And um, uh, that was Jonathan Ogden. Jonathan went out west to UCLA and went to the Ravens and actually uh, Ozzie, Ozzie Newsome drafted him Um, and um, was a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a few guys like that that come down the pike that, yeah, You know, if, if nothing else derails it, they certainly have the goods to be great. We see that quite often.
1: Well, and, and Chris, let me add this to it. On the on the flip side of that, talking about love the game and, and, and the opposite side of this, I'll never forget being in Pro Day and bringing up Eddie Lacy. And we were uh, got around him, and, and uh, they pretty much uh, talked about, well, you know, where do you want to go? He said, I don't really care. You know, I I don't really. Uh, and they said, well, who, who do you watch on television? He said, well, I don't really watch football. And, uh it was like you could see that he really didn't have a lot of interest in the NFL. Like like, like he he wanted it because there was a paycheck, but then as he was talking about it, I mean, he had more interest about telling you about, uh, you know, games and, and role-playing games and all this different stuff. That was his passion, and I think we saw that kind of show up in the NFL.
2: It happens a lot. It happens a lot more than people think. It's why that we focus a lot on – how a guy interviews and how we get to know him and and what makes him tick. Uh, what is the two things that I look for the most in evaluating a player's intangibles? What is the player's capacity to learn and what is his willingness to learn? Mm. How bad do they want it? Uh, you you know you don't ask somebody. Do, do you really want it, Eddie Lacey, Oh yeah, I want it. it of course, everybody says they want it. You know, what do their actions say about how bad do they want it? Um, Those are the things. Look, if you're going to be great at something, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody that's great at something that really doesn't like it. Well, I've seen guys be successful, um, and I see guys with talent, but they're never quite as good. How many guys were the quote-unquote next Michael Jordan? And then, you know, really – and go on and on and on. And none of them ever were, it, with maybe a couple you know, some people will look maybe no one well, what made Michael Jordan great? Well, the physical skills were there, but he also had the ability that he he every practice was like the end of the world for him. I mean, he wanted to dominate and it rose the level of his team and his teammates around him. That's what you want. That's what greatness is. We're going to watch a great player, a great career that's not to the end yet, but with Tom Brady. What makes him great? Physically, he's gotten stronger and better. He is physically stronger throwing the football now than when he came out of Michigan. Why is that? Why does he go through that? Why is he playing at 43 and thinking about playing when he's 45? Well, yes, the certain genes and good luck staying healthy is an important part of it. But look at all the things that he sacrifices to play football. You know how much it matters to him. That's what greatness is. When you have the physical skills to do all of those things successful, but you have the intangible qualities to be great and the focus. That's the difference.
1: I got to get to break right here. We'll come back. We're going to take one phone call and we'll wrap up the loose ends. Alabama tradition. That's Chris Landry. I'm Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9. Anyway, Med Center, urgent care, family medicine, no appointment necessary, online check in available. When you talk about our great locations, it is Highway 69 South and the Lowe's Shopping Center, North Port on McFarland Boulevard, the North River location, Hoover off of Highway 150. Demopolis and Fayette, the great doctors that serve our community. Med Center is also excited to offer telehealth. We're offering this service through our Hoover location and the new location off Med Center North River. Our doctors that live in this area and serve our community. The great doctors of MedCenter Urgent Care Family Medicine. Remember, the online check-in, very convenient. If you're a little under the weather, you've got an injury, you need to get ready for Saturday, it's MedCenter Urgent Care Family Medicine, a huge part of our community here in Tuscaloosa and West Alabama.
0: Lots of sunshine this afternoon. The high today in the upper 40s at 49. Clear tonight low at 28. Tomorrow is sunny day, the high 52. Thursday becoming cloudy. Rain moves in here Thursday night. The High Thursday at 60. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide
2: 100.9. Holding down this Chiefs offense is so difficult. And even when you do for stretches, <laughs> they can turn it over really quickly. So I, I, I think the Chiefs are are very, very difficult to beat here. I, 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 I'm hoping that it's close if both play their best game and the Chiefs don't make mistakes, it might be a decisive Chiefs win.
1: So the boo came from James Ludeman, and James oh, okay. is a, uh, yeah, a, I completely disagree with that assessment. Well, well, and and you can disagree with it, but you you have to do it on your show because we don't have enough time. But <laughs> I, I'll I'll talk about James Ludeman. James is a lifelong Tampa Bay fan, so oh, oh there you go. Yeah, right. that, that's you why go. you got the boo. So he's uh I got, you. I listen, got you. Listen, listen, that's a crazy part about living in a state that doesn't have an NFL team everybody's got their team and it's almost like a big fight. You know, people pick on me because my Cowboys, we got Dolphin fans here. Uh, it's pretty crazy Ooh. living in a state like this. He do not like my Cowboys either, but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, well, let's, let's get uh, back to LandryFootball.com. Uh, tell us more as we're wrapping up the loose ends.
2: Well, it, you can check it out. It's it's real simple. Uh, it, Pick around there. See what you like. We think you'll love it. Give us a shot. Try it out for a month. Try it out for a year. You get the best discount. But if you like football, you want to get a breakdown of the game of football from a coaching and scouting perspective, if you want to see the game, Uh, from that viewpoint, from the recruiting side, evaluating rosters during the season, evaluating the games. But this time of year, keeping you updated on the transfer portal, the coaching movement, the roster analysis in college, the NFL, it's about free agency, it's about the draft preparation. So it never stops. It really never ends. In fact, there's more news going on between now and the start of the season than there is during the season. During the season, it's just ball, it's just games. So uh, it it is a a 12-month-a-year You know, seven day a week proposition um, to keep you up to date on everything in the world of football, but explaining why, how did the Matthew Stafford trade go down, and you know what might happen in this situation and that situation? We've got it all covered for you at LandryFootball.com. So, again, like having your own scouting department, your own coaching department for at your disposal for less than a magazine subscription.
1: It's LandryFootball.com. That's Chris Landry. I'm Ryan Fowler. We're going to wrap up this edition of Alabama Tradition and we'll hand it off to James Ludeman coming up in just a couple of seconds. That's Chris Landry. I'm Ryan Fowler. Good night, t 10 I'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock here on Tide 100.9.